listener note. Wow, That's Problematic contains adult material and is created for adult listeners only. Material includes naughty language and discussion of adult activity. An additional content warning, dear listener. In the following episode, we discuss emotional abuse. Please practice good self-care, and if you need help, please reach out. We've included several helpful resources in the show notes. to well that's That's problematic problematic. the comedy feminist podcast where we revisit our old favorites and talk about why in a post me too society these movies are so problematic we are so excited for this one we're actually veering away from the 80s 90s movies that we've been analyzing yes and we're getting into the 70s Woo! Exciting times. Disco, mm-hmm. long hair. Loved the style. Fringe. Yeah. I used to be obsessed with the 70s style when I was really? in like high school, middle school. Yeah. What did you love most about it? I mean, I love me a good bell bottom. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And the, the cute hair, like yes. the fringe and the middle part. So good. This yeah. week. We're doing Carrie. Oh my God! <laughs> It's a um, Stephen King classic. Yes. Well, they're all classics from Stephen King. Really, they are. Well, I mean, some of them are a little more B-movie than others. True. (laughs) Yeah. So you asked and we answered. So as we move forward on this podcast journey with y'all, those of you who are listening, you've already seen this movie Mm -hmm. for the most part. So we'll be focusing less on the film plot and we'll be focusing more on the juicy little tidbits that we find out about the movie as well as all the players in the movie. We'll also focus more on really why it's problematic. Yeah. So a bunch of amazing actors Mm -hmm. and especially Sissy Spacek. Love. She was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actress for I'm this movie. I'm not surprised. And Piper Laurie, who played her mom, whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Disturbing. Played Margaret White and was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. 1976 it came out. Yeah. Um, directed by Brian De Palma, who directed Scarface, Mission Impossible. Oh. Black Dahlia. I never saw Black Dahlia, I don't think. I did, because Mm -hmm. I was kind of obsessed with that story. It's like a story that's never been solved. So, one minute into the movie, boobies and bush (laughs) everywhere. We're in a girl's locker room. Yeah, teenage nudity. And I did have to look up what the ages of the actors are, because I was horrified. I was like, I don't trust you, Hollywood. Yeah. They were all in their 20s. Okay, good. Phew. And the music, it was strange. So eerie. It was so eerie. A lot of the actresses were uncomfortable with being nude in that scene. I would imagine. Uh, Yeah. But apparently the director showed them the nude shots of Sissy Spacek and was like, look, Sissy's doing it. And then they were on board. (laughs) Oh, my God. So basically, there is not only bullying in the movie, but outside of the movie, too. Exactly. Great. So yeah, Sissy Spacek was born in 1949, and so she was actually 28 when she played the role. Wow. And in her um, prime. It was amazing how she looked like a child, like she, a high yeah, schooler. Gorgeous. She apparently was not the first choice for Carrie, but when the director saw her, I don't remember what it's called. It's like the film that they do. They record you like... Oh, the test shots? Yeah, the test okay. shots. Yeah. He was like, yes. And apparently she put like Vaseline in her hair and like didn't wash her face and wore this dress her mom had made her from when she was in like seventh grade to look like younger. Good for her. Oh, 
did her research. This is also interesting. Apparently, before they all started shooting, you have all the actors like hanging out, right. and she walked up to everyone and was like, hey guys, I'm Sissy Spacek, you know, nice to meet you, and was like really charming, and then just warned them, she's like, I'm going to alienate myself from you this whole time, and so I just want to let you know that it's not personal, that I'm doing it for the character. Wow. And then at the end, we'll all hang out and party. And apparently that's exactly what they did. How did she not get more awards in her career? What else has she done? Do you know? Bloodline, which is a really good show. It's more recent. JFK in 1991. Coal Miner's Daughter. She played Loretta Lynn in that. A ton of stuff. The Rookies... Badlands. But yeah, so we're in the locker room and there's that just severe bullying when Carrie starts her period. So what did you think about that scene where the music is almost like music box music and the water's going down her skin and we're seeing like parts of her body and it was like kind of sensual and then she starts her period. But what did you think about that skin on display? I was like, is this like... A love story for women's bodies. <laughs> it was really weird. The music was like kind of innocent, but then like kind of love story-ish. Take it didn't five. feel creepy. Oh, okay. I mean, I legit did not get naked in front of my peers in high school PE. No. Was that like a thing in the 70s or something? Maybe, but like <laughs> I was in a, like a bathroom stall changing. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was a little more shy too. Yeah, no. So Nancy Allen played the mean, mean girl. Right, Chris. Chris, that's mm-hmm. right. She's like the main, mean girl. Right. And in an article by ABC News, um, she talks about how disturbing it was to do that bully scene. Oh, good. The very first scene. Well, her words were like, it was very like tribal and mobbish. That's what it felt like. Yes. And she said she remembers like shaking. Like it really got her. I mean, it's nice to hear that, (laughs) that she didn't feel good about it. That she was actually acting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was hard to watch because it lasted for so long. Oh, and also like Carrie is freaking the fuck out. She has no idea what's happening to her. She thinks she's dying, probably. Yeah, because, I mean, my mom, when she first got her period, sorry, mom letting the cat out of the bag, (laughs) she thought she was dying Mm -hmm. because she wasn't told by her sisters or her mom. That this happened? So all of a sudden her vagina is bleeding? Yeah, and so when she got home, my grandma was like... Why don't you just use those damn things underneath the bathroom bathroom. sink? There's a lot of things under the bathroom sink, Mom. This was the time where it was like 60s. Hush, hush. You didn't talk about it? Because how could you even talk about your vagina bleeding? That's true. You don't even talk about your vagina. No. That was the focus, right? Mm -hmm. Is like she start, Carrie started her period and that meant she was now a sinner because she could have sex and have babies. Yeah. And I have more to say about that. I'm excited. (laughs) So what Nancy Allen said about that like mobbish experience, it reminded me of the Stanford prison experiment. Yeah. So that was in 1971 and it was an experiment, big surprise, at Stanford. Right. And it was led by this guy, Philip Zimbardo. He basically wanted researchers to see how being in a situation affects the person's behavior. Mm-hmm. And so they recruited a bunch of student participants and they you know, paid them a little bit of money. And then they randomly assigned them to one of two situations. So half of the students were prisoners and the other half were prison guards. And this study was supposed to be conducted for a couple weeks, but the behavior became so psychologically abusive that they ended it after only six days. I wish I could remember her name, but she was, I believe another researcher came in to observe Mm -hmm. and she was so horrified by what she saw that she complained. Zimbardo's work had been focused on putting an ordinary person into specific situations can influence them to act in, in ways that they otherwise wouldn't act. Like the mob mentality. Exactly. They call it antisocial behaviors. Like behaviors that you wouldn't do if, you know, you weren't in that situation or that's what he thought. But unfortunately, the experiment was found to be like not, not only unethical, but not like a sturdy experiment. In behavioral research, you try to not sway participants toward a particular like behavior or outcome. But it was found that there may have been some of that. 
That's interesting. I didn't know that it was discredited. Yeah, I mean, there's like good things about it. There definitely is like a, a group think, you know, you're with people and they all decide on one thing and you're like, yeah, that's a great idea. Right. And then it ends up not being a great idea, but yeah. no one <laughs> like stood up and said right. anything. If this were real life, a lot of those girls would not be engaging in that like bullying behavior. You hope. Well, I was like listening to another podcast, mm -hmm. My Favorite Murder, mm -hmm. and they were talking about this other experiment that they did at Stanford, and it was in the 60s, and it was called The Wave. The um, professor wanted to demonstrate to the kids how the Germans were convinced to join Nazism. It took about four days mm -hmm. for everyone to join in. Mm -hmm. Then at the end of the four days, he was like, hey, this was an experiment mm -hmm. and you all failed. Basically. And people were like traumatized by I'm it sure. because they never imagined mm -hmm. that they could do that. It reminds me of the Milgram experiment. Mm -hmm. And we won't go into that because we're already getting into like different experiments. But it's, it shows how I think it's probably sh we're shifting as a culture. But like we as humans see an authority figure and we feel pressure to do what they're asking us to do. Right. Well, and even in the wave experiment, mm -hmm. there were people that were like, I'm not comfortable with this. So mm -hmm. they would separate them um, to the library and they're like, you mm. can't come back to class. We are pack animals. Mm -hmm. We need people to like us. As a species, it has been our survival to need to be accepted into the group, right. into the community. And yeah. then you get in your 40s and you're like, I don't give a fuck. And then not wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just like drop trowel and walk through the grocery store. That's right. whose name Miss Collins Miss Collins she, I loved her except that she like manhandles the girls in the beginning yeah she definitely does and she kind of she slapped Carrie but I think it was yes. to like snap her out of it and that's what you did back then <laughs> you would just slap some sense into someone I mean you love a movie slap <laughs> I do so you got a few of them in this one <laughs> like multiple movie slaps in this I one I did I felt bad for the Carrie slap yeah I love that teacher because she was mm -hmm. so like maternal with mm -hmm. Carrie mm -hmm. and she like brought her into yes. the principal's office she was like smoking her Virginia Slims <laughs> That's Amazing. Right. <laughs> she was the one person who was like sweet to her. But then there was another time where she was like, had Carrie in front of the mirror and was like, look at how beautiful you are. And it was all about how beautiful she was, which I love because you do want to feel like, okay, I love myself. Yeah. I do have good cheekbones. Yeah. But at the same time, it was very image focused. It was image focused. I understood that she was doing that because she felt like Carrie had self-esteem problems, yes. probably. And it was 76. Mm -hmm. We still, as women, are very, like, focused on what we look like, right. I think, or some of us. I mean, that was a woman's value. Yeah. And it's been a woman's value for so many fucking years. Yeah. The societal standard. And I feel like the like society's beauty standard is changing. Thank God. I mean, even like I don't. I hate commercials. They actually give me like a visceral, like negative response. I get mad. But I have been noticing there are way less white people and way more people of color, way more diversity. You know, yes. we still have a lot of work to do, but I'm like seeing it in front of my eyes. Yeah, fucking changing. Speaking Amazing. of diversity, the only time I saw people of color in this movie was at the dance at the end. Not great. Through the 90s? I'm just, like, expecting that at this point. I know. Well, I mean, just with mainstream movies. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, she, like, pushes... Miss Collins, like, pushes all the fucking mean girls yeah. out of the way and then, like, slaps Carrie. Takes her into the principal's office and the principal, like, legit can't say her name right after, like... <laughs> 10 fucking times of them saying it. And Carrie gets mad. She's coming into her own. She is. Because she's playing a 17-year-old, and that's definitely when you mm -hmm. start being like, yeah. wait a minute, I have a voice. So yeah, we learn in the principal's office that Carrie has telekinetic powers. Mm-hmm. Juicy. 
then we see her mom for the first time, like, going door to door to, like... Sell push, Jesus. Sell Jesus and push her beliefs on other people. Super awesome. The tract that she was trying to give to her was the teenager's path to salvation through the cross of Jesus. So, something you read in your youth? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> And oh, geez. Yeah, she's like, I hope you find Jesus. And I'm like, girl, find some conditioner. That hair was that so hair. frizzle frazzle. I knew you were going to notice that. That was the true sin of the <laughs> whole movie. Like, I pray you find conditioner. She has a long list of jobs in TV and film. Uh, Piper Laurie. She was in Twin Peaks. Amazing. Maybe you'll remember, but she was the one, the owner of the sawmill. She was like this refined, sort of snobby businesswoman that would, I think you'd always see her behind her bar. Yes. Carrie comes home Mm -hmm. and tells her mom and mom says, you're a woman now. And she reads an excerpt from the sins of women. And the first sin, she said, is intercourse. What in... The name of the Lord has that to do with... Yeah. I don't understand. the Lord. I don't understand. It's been, like, in the Bible Mm -hmm. and, like, stories that everyone likes to tell, Mm -hmm. like, when you're little, is the Adam and Eve story. And it's always Eve's fault. What better way to blame women for eternity than to start with a Bible story about it? With the creation of man. Yeah. Nowhere in that story does Adam have to take accountability. It's like, oh, you you got it from her, but, like, you have no, like, responsibility in the fact that you chose to do that. Like, living in the patriarchy, you hold men as supreme. Right. And so men have been literally in charge, and we have had notoriously not a lot of rights. So it makes sense that as it's been translated, it's going to be translated by men And so, of course, they're going to blame it on the women. Right. Because they don't, there's no accountability on their part. Most religions, it's like the man is the head of the household. So it's like, I know. (laughs) My eyes just like hurt. I rolled them (laughs) in the back of my head. Women have to be kept in their rightful place, which is like (sighs) down here. Men are up here. Mm -hmm. Why would we not be ashamed of our own gender? If, like, we are never being held to any kind of respect. I notice how we will make ourselves small Mm -hmm. to please the system or please the group of people we're around or the men we're with. Really, that's a way of individually fighting the system is of making ourselves larger and not shifting our behavior in order to please someone else. It's tiny, but it's like really hard Yeah, because it's been ingrained in our minds, in our socialization our whole life. I find it really interesting that she used Eve, the story of Eve, because it's like, she's always the scapegoat. It's so fucked up. So yeah, she's, she's reading from the sins of women. Mom is terrified about the curse of blood. And the curse of childbearing. Like we said, the gym teacher is totally championing for Carrie. And so Carrie gets excused from gym class for like a week. The gym teacher just shames and embarrasses the other girls. (laughs) I love that. So she tells them that their choice is either they can do extra gym or they're not able to go to prom. They all decide like they have to go to their senior prom. Chris is, like, trying to fight it. And she's like, if we all stick together, she can't do this. And everyone's like, uh, bitch, I'm going to prom, so I'm going to do these exercises. Do you love the part where she's like, what do I do with my gum? And Miss Collins is like, you can choke on it for all I care. I'm <laughs> like, so, oh yeah. God, I remember there were moments in high school that I wished a teacher would say something like that to yeah. a mean person. Same. So yeah, so then we see all the girls doing their gym torture outside, and there is a lot of legs. A lot of legs. In short shorts. Mm -hmm. And then Chris acts up, and Miss Collins slaps her. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so this is a little tidbit. So Brian De Palma, Mm -hmm. the director, apparently wanted actress Betty Buckley, who plays uh, Miss Collins, to actually slap Chris. Oh, like not a movie slap, but an actual one. Yeah. Wow. Apparently, it took 30 slaps (gasps) to get the reaction De Palma wanted. Ethical? 
<laughs> Definitely non-ethical. I feel sorry for Nancy Allen. Oh, Who yeah. had to take all that. Oh, yeah. So many abuses were had on this. <laughs> she only played a mean girl, okay? Oh, man. <laughs> the next thing we see is John Travolta. Yes. Oh, my God. I didn't remember that he was in this movie. And apparently he was 22, and this was his first major film role. So he had been in this show... That I've never seen because it was Welcome Back, Kata. Yes! Yeah. Have you seen it? Mm hmm. I watched it on Nick at Night because I always used to play those shows. And you know, it was just ridiculous. And wasn't it like a really diverse cast? It was a really diverse cast. That's cool. So yeah, he was on that. And then back in that day, you were either a film actor or a TV actor. Right. And so for him to kind of jump to film, that was apparently very like, oh, look at you, John. Very unheard of. He plays Billy, and Billy is so gross and so abusive. He's a dick. The worst of the worst. I'm going to bet money that most of us went to school with someone like that. So, yeah, his friends pull up to his car while they're driving (laughs) and they're just chatting. Yeah. Like while the cars are driving and they throw him a beer and he's like drinking beer driving. Did you see it dripping down his mouth? I was so disgusted by that. I'm like, why is this happening? I think he was just playing the part. Of a slob. Of like a, just a disgusting person. Yeah. And, and he spills the beer because a cop pulls up next to him and he's, he's like, like, oh, hey. He throws it at Chris. Yeah. She's like, dumb shit. He slaps her in the face. He's like, don't ever call me that. And I'm like, how many times does this girl need to be slapped? Poor Nancy. I know. Um, You know what that reminds me of is something you and I briefly talked about, but we didn't get into is the idea of mutual abuse, Mm -hmm. like a relationship where there's mutual abuse going on. Yes. And you were saying that there's a a psychologist, like PhD that you follow who is like, that doesn't exist. Dr. Jessica Taylor, who we follow. She said that there's no such thing as mutual abuse because there's always someone who holds more power than the other person. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what that is. Hmm. And someone else can retaliate, mm-hmm. but it's not like they're both Abusing equal. Each other? Because right. there's always someone who has more power than the other one. But like in this situation that they're portraying, and they're just mean to each other, and yeah. they are abusing each other. Right. She's not physically hitting him, but she is calling him names. Like right. that's emotional abuse. Yeah. That was an example of a mutually abusive relationship. Although he probably holds the power. It's not like unilateral across the board. Like it's always someone who is starting it or holds more power place in the relationship. Ugh, abusive relationships. If you're in one, get out and let us help you. So we're going to add information in the show notes. You don't have to stay. And I know, oh my God, I'm getting emotional. And it's so scary to Mm -hmm. get out because it is so dangerous, but there are ways to get out. I mean, I had a friend who was murdered by her boyfriend and he still hasn't gone on trial and it was moved back again and it will be five years this June next month. Thank God he's in jail. But you know, there's just so many times where it's like they don't find them or they kill themselves. And so they're never brought to justice. So at least we have that. But it's like it usually takes seven times for someone to leave before they can actually are in a safe place permanently. A lot of people wonder why don't they just leave? Yeah. There are systems in place that includes the family. Not just the coupleship, but the family, the community, it goes out to the greater society that actually make it so that it's almost impossible to leave. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of times a a person will be in an abusive situation because the alternative is so scary because it's like you might be financially dependent. Financial abuse. Oh my God. You might be emotionally dependent. Who knows if you might be physically dependent. Like there are so many reasons that people don't leave and we need to start understanding that so that we're not blaming the victim for not getting out of the situation. The question needs to be, why is he abusing? It like makes me so angry to hear when people are like, why didn't they leave? Like, well, why did they stay? It's like, why did that person start abusing them? It's not like someone just gets with an abuser. Yeah. They get with someone who's charming, who's handsome, who's wants to support them. Who and then love it, bombed them. Oh God, the love bombing. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. Well, let's move on. <laughs> Very layered. Before, when the girls were working out, Sue asked Bobby if he would take Carrie to the prom. You think it's like, okay, this does not look right. Sue Something's is like going on. the quote nice girl, right? Yeah. No. But we don't know if she is or not until it's, the end of the movie. It's so confusing. Yeah. Back to Travolta. So Billy and Chris... They have their little fight, Mm -hmm. their abusive, weird, toxic relationship, and then he parks, and then she's giving him a blowjob. They're indicating that she's giving him a blowjob so that he'll do something for her. Yes. They're showing him sitting there and the back of her head, like, going up and down. So, obviously, (laughs) she has a mouthful of penis. Right. And she's like, Billy, Billy, oh, Billy. And I'm like, there is no way she can say his name like that. That was the the most ridiculous sex scene I've ever seen in my life. I'm like, she can't say his name. <laughs> the penis in her mouth. It doesn't make sense. I mean, or that's just great acting. I don't know. <laughs> Ventriloquist shit. <laughs> so then Carrie's eating with Mama mm-hmm. and she asks to go to the prom. Right. And when the word prom comes out of her mouth, a huge thunder, like, cracks. Yes. <laughs> and did you hear the part where she said pimples are God's way of chastising you? Yes. And I was like, I knew it. I knew it was a hormones. <laughs> oh, and then Mama sends her to the closet to pray. Yes. And, care- and this is another example of her well, abuse. Well, she threw ta- tea in her face before that. I feel like that would be such a humiliating thing. I know. Like, especially from your parent. I know this is like a different degree, but I went to Michael's the other day to get my crafting on. Okay. And this little boy, he must have been four, and he was definitely being a little turd, okay? But the mom was like, this is why I don't take you places, because you act like this. So shame. Oh, God. Shame and embarrassment right there. Like, Mm -hmm. I know we're not supposed to judge other moms, but, like, I felt so fucking bad for what was going on. And then they start bickering as if she's four. Like, they're, you know, almost as if they're peers. Yeah. That's not overt abuse, Mm -hmm. right? It's hard because it's like, I don't want to be like, oh, she abuses her kid. Because you just don't know what's going on in that house. She said, you're being a brat. And he goes... No, I'm not. And the way he responded, I was like, you're four. You want people to see you Mm -hmm. for who you are. Yeah. And instead, your mom is telling you that you're this bad thing and you're desperately trying to tell her that you're not. Yeah. And then that actually instigates bad behavior. Right. Yeah. It's science. Yeah. (laughs) So she's sent to the closet and then there is the most terrifying what I thought was a Jesus statue that I've ever seen in my life. No, it was definitely a Jesus statue. And the eyes were fucked up. But then why did he have knives in him? So the statue is supposedly of St. Sebastian. Okay. Who I've never heard of. Nope. So according to IMDb, mm-hmm. it's a statue of St. Sebastian who's apparently a protector against plague and a saint for athletes. Okay, I guess her mom's like obsessed with weird things. So she's probably obsessed with plagues. But athletes? Yeah, it didn't make sense. Huh. Uh, But where did they get that? It looks like real hair. It was terrifying. (laughs) It was awful. Why do the eyes look like they're glowing and they're always looking at you? Oh my god. So, Billy and Chris, Mm -hmm. and then two other people are, like, going to... The slaughterhouse, right? The slaughterhouse. And so they, like, kill a pig. Mm -hmm. Well, the one guy was like, I can't do it. And so John Travolta was like, I'll do it. I'm like, ew. And and Chris, his girlfriend's like, yeah, baby, do it. Do it. You're just like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. You're not sexy. You're a sociopath. Yeah. She was... Something was wrong with both of them. No, she was nutty. And Nancy Allen, who plays Chris, right? she ended up marrying the director. Brian De Palma? Mm-hmm. She's wow. like, he made her slap me 30 times. <laughs> I think it's love. <laughs> I love a good slap. They did get divorced. so Well, it's Hollywood. And apparently Miss Collins, mm-hmm. Betty Buckley, dated De Palma before that. Very incestuous. Juicy. Yes. But not like devil's advocate incest. No, <laughs> definitely not. Just community incest. Yeah. Oh my God. So yeah, they're getting the pig's blood. Chris is like, hurry up. And Billy responds, keep your tits on. Yeah. What? I don't know. It's disgusting. 
It's like, hmm, what can we say that's just, like, super weird and offensive and, like, somehow about a woman's body? Yeah, what does that have to do with anything? Like, Literally nothing? Nothing! I don't know. She's, like, ripping off her tits going, like, hurry up! I can't! Juggling? Yeah, she's, like, juggling her tits all around, and he's like, come on, bitch, put them back on. The next scene, Carrie's living her best life trying on lipstick. Yeah. And the boys are trying on tuxedos, and they are so hideous. Did you hear him when he was like, I've only got $10. He's like, you can get a text. And I'm like, $10 for a text? It's very different Who back knows? then. The ruffles on the text mm-hmm. and the baby blue was shirt. very dumb and dumber. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my God. So, and then talking about more titty talk, as Carrie's getting ready for the prom, Mama says that she can see Carrie's Dirty pillows. Dirty pillows? And Carrie's like, those are my boobs. It's <laughs> fine. You can call them boobs. If all this shit didn't happen to her, she'd yeah. probably grow up to be a very lovely woman. I think Carrie was just like, we're done, bitch. Like, you need to be put in your place. I'm gonna tell you. Because now I have power. She's like, I'm 17. I got my period. I have telekinesis. Yeah. Shut so up, mom. Do you mom. think the telekinesis had anything to do with her period? When she became, like, a woman, like, into her own, she Um, got the powers because it doesn't seem like she had them before that. I mean, probably Stephen King has a very rich imagination. So, and he was in the 70s, so he probably was like, she gets her period and she has telekinesis at the same time. Oh, speaking of, this was apparently one of his first manuscripts that turned into a movie. Okay. So, yeah, this was, like, huge for him. In fact, in the trailer, Mm -hmm. they messed up the spelling of his first name because he spells Stephen with a PH. Right. And they put a V. Oh. Did you love the theme of the prom? What was the theme? Love Among the Stars. Oh, my God. I liked it more than mine. What was your theme? Mine was My Heart Will Go On, and it was Titanic-themed. Oh, no. And it was at the Seattle Aquarium. No. Yeah. That is hilarious. Oh, yes. Did you realize, or did you remember in the movie they were like, you can't go if you don't have a date? That was interesting. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah. I didn't have a date. I went stag with friends. Awesome. Yeah. No, that's so weird. I wonder if it was like a rule. It must have been. That is so messed up. It's dumb. Very problematic. It's just perpetuating this idea that as a woman, Mm -hmm. you have to be in a relationship. In a partnership. In yeah. a partnership. Yeah. It's part of the culture. You're actually going to be shunned from certain events right. if you don't have a plus one. Right. They're getting you ready to, okay, in college, you are just going there to find a husband. Yeah, she has her dress on. Mama calls her boobs dirty pillows. <laughs> and Mama is freaking out and scratches her own face. Yeah. This poor woman needs help. Once again. And I love that Carrie's like, sit your ass down and stay there until I leave. She uses yeah. her mind powers to shove her mom onto the bed twice. Amazing. <laughs> so there's a couple homages. Yes. Homages is plural? Mm-hmm. Homage. homage. I don't know. The composer, Bernard Herrmann, mm-hmm. he did the music for Psycho. Yes, ma'am. <clears throat> I knew you already knew that. I had a feeling. So he was actually signed on to do the music for Carrie. Oh. But he passed away. Mm. Like the December before they started filming. So they actually used the four violin screeches for every time Carrie used her power. I recognized it because I've seen that movie God knows how many times. Yeah. I've even seen it at the symphony. Ooh. The Seattle Symphony played it while you're watching the movie. Oh my God. So yes. And there were a couple other homages. Homage. (laughs) The high school is called Bates High. Yeah. After Norman Bates. The slaughterhouse (gasps) is called Bates. Oh really? Yeah. I love it. So back to the prom. Mm -hmm. I feel like all movie proms look the same regardless of the year. There's always stars. It can be the 80s, the 90s, the 70s. Yeah. It's the fucking same thing. Carrie, like you said, Tommy invited her to be his date. And Tommy Ross is played by uh, William Cat. That hair. I love those curls. You know I love a curl. Girl, that was a 
big head of curls. It was. And I loved it. Okay. You just want to put your fingers through I it? I do. Yeah. <laughs> I do. They are really portraying the prom as if it's like one of the most magical moments in a girl's life. Right? Um, my eyes are in the back of my head. They almost got stuck. <laughs> I only went to maybe two dances mm-hmm. my whole mm. high school career. I and don't you, feel like I missed out on anything. It was like you went to, you know, have some food, see yeah. some people, and yeah. then it was like what was happening after. That yes, <laughs> exactly. Me. The song Tommy and Carrie danced to is hilarious. I was getting dizzy by that dancing. So they put them on a spinning platform and then they actually, the camera went the, spun the other way. So it was meant to make you Okay, good, because I was getting sick. I couldn't look. I had to look away. It was too much. Before the prom happened, Mm -hmm. we see Chris and Billy put the bucket up of pig's blood. Yep. So you know something's Something's gonna happen. He told Chris, he was like, I'll let you pull the rope. And it's like, oh, how romantic. I mean, she's like kind of the one who started it, right? Yeah. Like Eve. (laughs) Yeah. It's always the lady. It's always the lady. Um, So the song that Carrie and Tommy dance to is called, I Never Dreamed Someone Like You Could Love Someone Like Me. And it's by Pino Donaggio. It sounds like a wine. Tommy and Carrie kiss. Yeah. Which, okay, I was a little confused because wasn't... Tommy with Sue? Mm-hmm. They're like boyfriend-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So what the hell? I think it was meant to be confusing because you're like, is Sue in on what Chris and Billy are doing? Yeah. Or is she just like trying to be nice to Carrie? Like, right. I didn't know. They did not build up Sue's character at all. No. I was very confused by who she was. Yeah. Thing. But I think it was meant to be. So you just thought... You think? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Because then you're just left to like, okay, yeah. are they in on all this other shit? Or... Right. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned this earlier. Like, there's a lot of emphasis on beauty. Mm-hmm. You know, like the PE teacher giving Carrie the pep talk, front of the mirror. Then Tommy talks about how Carrie is so beautiful. It's just a given that that's what people do with women and with girls is like oh my god you're so beautiful and it's like thanks and you feel good about when someone like compliments your physical beauty but when as a society we support that like that's where we place our value well inevitably you're gonna end up feeling bad about yourself because we all get older and like you know looks change and beauty is it's subjective that's not to say like we don't want to not tell women or girls they're pretty like that's absolutely we're not condemning that but there's other things you can talk about as well there's so much focus on the way a woman looks or a girl looks like even with like little girls and I think it's changing like I know a lot of women who are trying to as they're raising their girls they're like oh you're so beautiful and you work really hard and you can learn how to do math oh I definitely wasn't taught that no exactly because i couldn't no it's because it's hard it's just ick it's not your thing it's not ick man well it's just amazing it's ick to me (laughs) there's something to be said about a good teacher yeah that's true that like enjoys Mm -hmm. teaching and then it makes you be like okay this person's like really into this yeah for sure maybe it's cool so there is a cut to a quick scene where mama is cutting vegetables yeah, no, she is at home just chopping her veg and... And chopping her air. She just starts, like, chopping and there's no vegetables. Yeah. But was that just kind of to show, like, that she has lost it? I think there, it's the spiral. Okay. Yeah. I liked the um, the shot. It was, like, taken from mm-hmm. above, just looking straight down. So Tommy and Carrie are voted king and queen because the results are rigged. By it's a rigged system. It is. Oh, so mean. Little tidbit, Sissy Spacek was actually homecoming queen at her high school. Aww. I believe it. She gets her tiara and her flowers. Mm-hmm. She looks beautiful. 70s glam. The lighting is Mm -hmm. just, like, so soft around her. Mm -hmm. She looks angelic. There's lots of slow motion scenes. Did you notice that? Uh Uh-huh. There is one that I want to talk about in particular. What? Sue, she, like, came to the prom. I was like, I thought Chris was going to pull the rope, so why is she there? But maybe she just wanted to spy on her boyfriend. It turns out that Sue was, like, a good guy, which this is, like, so 
not believable, but I think she actually showed up so she could watch Carrie be happy with her boyfriend. Yeah. Which doesn't make any sense in reality. No, but I mean, maybe she started feeling she got a conscience and like felt bad about what was going on. That's right. Because that's what she told her mom, I think, right? Is that she was trying to, she was trying to be a good person and like help Carrie Mm -hmm. have some kind of good experience. Yeah. In senior year. So she's looking up. She sees the bucket. Miss Collins sees Sue and she gets confused because she's like, what the fuck is she doing here? She's not supposed to be here. And then she she doesn't have a date. And then doesn't uh, Miss Collins like see the bucket and see something is up? I think she sees the two underneath the stage because Mm. Chris and Billy are underneath the stage. Mm -hmm. She goes over. Sue sees them underneath the stage too. And she's like, oh shit. She's trying to stop it. she saw the rope. Right. Yeah, she's trying to stop it, and she's trying to tell Miss Collins that Chris and Billy are under there. She's kicked out. And, and thank God she is, because otherwise she'd be dead. So Chris finally pulls the rope, mm-hmm. and the blood spills all over Carrie and Tommy. And this was a, another Hitchcock thing for me. He did a lot of things where he didn't use any sound. That part where the, you could just hear the bucket swinging back and forth and no other sound. And was, you saw people like mouthing words but you couldn't hear yeah. it. It's very homage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's and, eerie. And then eventually you start hearing the laughter mm-hmm. and the loop of Mama saying, you are all gonna laugh at you! <laughs> <laughs> it's like a lot too for your brain. It's like utter chaos. A, I was uncomfortable. They meant it to be. But Tommy's like, doesn't really get it because he doesn't really know like why there's blood all over and he's like what and then he gets knocked out by the bucket even the nice PE teacher goes down because Carrie looks at the PE teacher and sees her laughing at her so we didn't talk about this one character Norma Watson and she's the one that always wears the red baseball cap yes she's played by PJ Souls there's this great article in Vulture Mm -hmm. that character was not in the original book or in the original manuscript. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But she auditioned with a ball cap on. <laughs> she said that she was wearing, kind of looked tomboy-ish. The, I think, modeling agency that she worked for. Mm-hmm. They had a few girls from there go and try out. And she wanted to kind of differentiate herself. And Smart. So smart. And so yeah. the director was like more obsessed with the baseball cap than her. And was like, okay, you're going to come back, but wear that baseball cap. There was like two other auditions. Yeah. where she had to come back wearing the baseball cap. Because she wore it at the prom, too, which I yes. thought was hilarious. She was in the original Halloween. Oh. Yes. I so knew she, I recognized her from someplace. She played one of the teens that was killed after having sex. Oh. <laughs> So PJ Soul's character, Norma, is also the one who gets killed by the fire hose. I was kind of laughing at that whole thing because the kids are trying to escape and the fire hose starts spraying (laughs) and it's like... Is that hose really taking them out that hard? Well, you were laughing, but you won't be laughing for long because (laughs) PJ Souls did her own stunt. And the fire hose... Good for her. The firemen who were called, the fire people, whatever, who were called to oversee it was like, uh, we can't turn down the power of the hose. Oh. And so they just used it anyways. And so you see Norma being taken down by it. And then you see a bust shot of her, like, kind of passed out, and then the hose is going on her face, yeah. and her face is, like, turning. The hose went into her ear. No! And, and like, popped her eardrum. She said it was so fucking painful. So uh, that was yeah. the... That last scene you see of her was when her eardrum popped, <sighs> and she couldn't hear for, like, six months. That's the, fucked up. The good news is it healed, and okay, so, good. yeah, she's but, all good now. But anything with, like, ears and nose, yeah, so painful. It started an electrical fire. Oh, okay, the, the water, because it, like, hit all of the lights. Yes. And the lights were probably, like, from the 70s, so yeah. it was, like, honestly pure fire, so it probably just was, like, <laughs> yeah, we're short-circuiting. It's and... just pure fire as opposed to non-pure fire. <laughs> How hot those lights were back in the day. There's no, like... There's no, like, grounding switch or whatever yeah (laughs) it's the 70s everything's just kind of patched together you know duct tape um when she walks down the stage and she that scene is so good with the fire in the background her eyes Mm -hmm. like bulging from her head and she has the most serious look on her face yeah so she goes home and mama has lit 
all the candles. All the town's candles up in that bitch. <laughs> and she's creeping behind a door. So fucking creepy because yes. you think it's a mannequin. She comforts Carrie for like a second. Carrie's like, please, mama, just like hold me. That made me so sad. It's awful. Because she like took a bath, got ready for bed. Got the pig's blood off of her. <laughs> like, you're going to bed now after all that? All right. <laughs> so mama gives her a hug and then she fucking makes it about herself and starts talking about her experience with Carrie's dad. And Mama apparently has some big issues around sex. Like, sex equals the devil. Again? Because we just did devil's advocate, which the whole theme was like, sex equals the devil. Yeah. And by the way, she still has a used conditioner. It's (laughs) ten times worse. I mean, what did you expect at this she's point, She's probably, like, she's got a lot going on that night because she's, like, chopping vegetables. Lighting and she's candles. lighting the town's candles in her house. So it's the last thing on her mind. <laughs> so Mama fucking stabs Carrie. And I'm sorry, but she seems way too happy about it. The handbook for not raising a child. Okay, so... Obviously, that little boy that I saw in Michael's was, you know, a much lower level of mistreatment. However, watching this movie and seeing that the way that mom, like, talked to her son, I was like, no wonder we're in such shit in this world. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like a lot of us humans are just seeking love. And we didn't get it from our parents. Love and grace. Would you say that she basically was saying God punished her for the premarital sex by giving powers to Carrie? The mom is a narcissist. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. Carrie comes home covered in blood yeah. and just had like a huge trauma. Mom goes into a, a whole monologue, stabs Carrie, and then Carrie uses her telekinesis to really protect herself. Yeah. And a bunch of knives fly toward Mama. But how creepy was it when her mom was walking down the stairs just smiling with the knife? Ooh, it's such a classic (laughs) horror moment. Yeah. The lighting. Yes. So yeah, a bunch of knives fly at her and she ends up looking like the statue of St. Sebastian. And I'm pretty sure that's one reason they did her hair that way. Because it looks exactly we'll have to do a side-to-side picture i don't want to see it you have to <laughs> look at it those eyes The li- oh, oh i have a good idea let's put light behind this statue's eyes it could be God. like a nightlight <laughs> yeah. so, the, so the children feel safe yeah in the closet at night so the house collapses yeah it implodes all around them and sinks into the ground in the book and they wanted to do this in the original carry but they just didn't have the funds or something but in the new carry which i have not seen the remake they did it like this so apparently a bunch of boulders fall on the house yeah which makes sense story-wise that it's very like biblical right i like that one you did yeah i mean it's not the original i thought it was decent it had um chloe grace moretz in it as mm-hmm. Carrie and then Julianne Moore, mm-hmm. one of my favorite oh, redheads. Love her. Plays the mom. It's so hard to compete with Sissy Spacek and Piper Laurie. We see Sue again, the weird random friend that like set Carrie up with her boyfriend, who you don't know is if she's a mean girl or nice. And we find out that she's a nice girl. She is one of the only survivors. Yeah. And the last scene is of Sue's nightmare. And she's slowly walking to Carrie's grave, which is the rubble. With the for sale sign. Someone tagged it and it says like Carrie's going to burn in hell or something like that. They shot that backwards and then played it in reverse and in slow motion to make it eerie. So the actress actually had to like walk backwards Wow. Mm-hmm. It reminds me again of Twin Peaks. Yeah. Do you remember the nightmare sequences? Oh, yeah. You couldn't understand what that actor was saying. It was These backwards. Like, just <laughs> like La Palma. You like it? Yeah, you did good. Thanks. Your brain is like, something's wrong. Like, it <laughs> looks like it shouldn't be wrong, but yeah. it's wrong. I don't know. I don't like it. <laughs> so, yeah, she kneels down um, with her flowers and Carrie's bloody hand comes out of the ground and grabs her. She wakes up screaming. It's so good. So that was actually Sissy Spacek's hand. Nice. Apparently she told Brian, no, it has to be me. You have to bury me. And he's like, uh, you, we could just get someone else. It's just your hand. And she's like, no, she was in at 110%. Yeah, good for her. 
What a great movie. Great movie. It was a great movie. It's like one of those things where the problematic aspects were things that I expected. Exactly. Because of the era, you know, very few people of color. There were only, like you said, a couple of black actors at the prom. Right. That's it. Yeah. But at this point, with the mainstream movies up until a certain year, I, I'm just like expecting it at this point. I know. And it's very problematic. Yeah. It really is. The focus on beauty mm-hmm. being of the most value right. to the 17-year-old woman, that's problematic. Yeah. The murder. The moitas. <laughs> the crazy religious bullshit oh, that you're trying to put on other people, that's a problem. Definitely. Don't put your beliefs on other people. Yeah. You can tell people what you believe in. Yeah. And if they want to join in... Great. There is something so valuable in like listening. Even if you don't agree, you might already have an idea of what this person believes or is going to say. But if you just shut your mouth a little bit and listen, you might actually kind of realize like, oh, this person's not as bad as I thought they were. Yeah. Don't be like what my mom does and is like, so what do you think about this? Just to get me to engage so that she can fight with me. Shut you down. That's not the way. You actually listen and have a constructive conversation about it. As we're like up in our soapboxes. I've really been struck by how people really just like want to be heard. Mm -hmm. And I think so many of us, it's like that little boy in Michael's. What struck me is that his mom was telling him that he was a brat. So basically telling him not like, hey, your behavior is bad right right now, but telling him that he, who he is, is bad. Telling someone so young that's like literally their brain is like super developed, like hyper developing at that point. He's going to go throughout the rest of his life, like, trying to prove to people that he is who he sees himself to be. Yeah. God, it just feels so good when someone wants to hear mm-hmm. what you have to say or, like, is curious about you. Yeah. yeah. So tell me your final thoughts on the movie and your rating. I really like this movie. I've seen it multiple times and I always forget how creepy parts of this movie are. Mm-hmm. I would definitely watch it again. Yeah. It's probably a Halloween yeah. situation. Problematic scale. It's like, I wonder if our scale should vary depending on the decade that the movie is made. I don't think it's that bad. I kind of don't either. There are probably a three. I was going to give it a two and a half. Like really low. Maybe a 2.75. There you go. (laughs) One of the biggest problematic things besides the other things I said was the toxic relationship between Billy and Chris. But that's also when you're doing art, when you're doing like film like that, you're trying to tell a story. And so you do exaggerate like certain negative things to get your point across. And I feel like every viewer knew those were the bad guys. The problematic parts about them were problematic for a point. Yeah. About how terrible they were. It wasn't like pretending to be something else. I love it. It was so, it was really fun to watch and really fun to analyze. And it made me really respect Sissy Spacek, which I've seen her in like a couple things, but she's not been on my radar that much. Yeah, she is great. She's amazing. Yeah, you should definitely watch Bloodline. Okay. It's good. So we are so excited that you are sticking around and listening to us. Thanks, you guys. Thank you so much. Until next time. Love you. Bye. Bye. Wow, That's Problematic is produced and edited by Max Neal and Nicole Farmer. Music by Max Neal. And her sock flew off of her foot. I don't even know how that happened. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Let's stretch our legs here. Yeah. There's your sock. Yeah, there it is.